clicked. It's been clicked. Uh, click. It's been clicked. Woo, clicked. We just clicked it right this second. We just clicked it right this second. We did not stumble and fall and start over again. We did not have an unexpected uh, hiccup in our plans like a certain uh, Stanton Carlisle does in this section of the book. Um, Who are we and what are we doing? I'm Willow and I'm writing an essay. No, I mean, what are we doing in this episode? (laughs) We're reading... Or finishing Nightmare Alley. And what is this episode? It's the second part in our series about Nightmare Alley. And what is the show? It's Del Toro time. And to tell a Del Toro dead. And to tell to tell. A Del Toro adjacent podcast. Yes. That talks about everything besides Guillermo Del Toro. Talks about. Well, this is very specific to Guillermo Del Toro because, again, he has a movie coming out. And. Uh, I am Phil, but we'll do a full, like, here's our, here's our episode's theme song in one second. But, uh, uh, I went back, I re-listened to the old Twitter sode I did on the movie of Nightmare Alley, uh, earlier today. And I talk about the book in that a little bit. And I say something about it being like, like trash. <laughs> something, I, I'm something like the book is trash, but it's good trash. And I think my opinion of the book has actually gone up. Mm. Uh, since I first started reading it so long ago. I didn't finish it until I was done recording the episode. So at the time I recorded the episode, I was only partway through it. I was like, this is trash. But since that time, my opinion of it has just gone up and up and up. Um, but uh, yeah, we we were saying off mic, this is not uh, an up up uplifting novel. No, I no, hate novels all. like this. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> Why do you hate novels like this? Because Because, okay, so... I like absorbing media. Mm-hmm. It's very fun. Um, but there's specific things in specific forms of media that I don't like. And I don't like sitting through novels from the point of view about bad people. Okay. I just, I, I if I'm going to sit and read a novel, I need to care about the characters. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted them to die this entire time. Like the only characters that I liked were at the beginning of the novel. They come back. They do, which is good. That's the yes. only part of it I liked. And then it just, it, nothing comes of it. So they it come back anyways. to remind us that not all is terrible in this world. They come back to remind us that there are still decent people in this world who do who do a lot of good. They try to do a lot of good in mm-hmm. in this book. There, I, I appreciate that because otherwise it would be just relentless misery after after a point. Uh, after this point, actually, the beginning point. <laughs> so, uh can you give us a quick rundown of what happened in the first half of this novel? Uh, I can certainly try. Really quick, uh, just 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 the basics. Stan was in a carnival. Mm-hmm. He had an affair with a woman, killed her husband. Accidentally. Still killed him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be manslaughter. <laughs> uh, then joined her act. Then yep. had sex with another woman. Mm. Then got kicked out of the circus with the other woman. Yeah. And then became a reverend and started doing ghost stuff. Wow, that's, that's a, I guess that's a way to put it. Uh, <laughs> did they get kicked out in the book? It sort of was implied. Yeah, they were there's forced a, there's a big, to get married. There's a big time jump mm-hmm. in the book uh, between them, like, being their relationship being found out. And then it's like a five year later jump. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he becomes a famous. I'm pretty sure what happened was they were forced to get married and then. They were kicked out because later in this part of the book, he talks about Xena saying something to him when they left 
and it seems like the wounds are still raw after when she was saying that. Hmm. Um, yeah, so Stanton Carlisle and Molly leave the carnival. They become a, a psychic act that becomes really popular, and mm-hmm. then he starts a church that becomes really popular. And the first part of the novel, the first half of the novel, ends with him uh, meeting Dr. Uh, Lilith Ritter, a psychologist who he has... Uh, That's an evil name. Who he has taken on as his psychologist because he's just having all kinds of personal issues. and She has an evil person name. She does. It might not be her real name, we learn later on, but... Uh, uh, and that's that is where this book picks up. It picks up with him uh, having uh, he's had his first meetings with Dr. Ritter, and uh, I, I predict is, n- nothing but good times and sunshine for him going forward. This is actually where I wanted to stop reading the book. How come? Because I didn't care anymore. How come? <laughs> because I didn't care about any of the characters that were present in the novel anymore. Uh huh. Look, I get it. It's he's a sad, sad guy who has a lot of personal problems. He's also a terrible person. I don't think the point of the novel is that he's a sad, sad guy. Uh, I don't think that's what the the author was writing about at all, actually. No, but I mean, like, if you're going to make me... He's just a bad guy. He's just a bad guy. Why do I care about... I have a lot of really hard feelings about this character. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I mean, he's... No, he is He is certainly not... He is certainly not portrayed uh, in, in any way where you are intended to have a whole lot of sympathy for him. Uh Except that, of course, the perspective of this novel, it being noir fiction, is is pretty much like we're all sort of teetering on the edge. Any of us could fall at any point. Like, more often than not, people get dragged down in back into their nightmare alley. And just when you think you're on top, it just takes a couple of mistakes for you to hit rock bottom again. Uh that's a boring way to look at life. But I mean, it's a it's a it's a it's a a very human way to look at life. Um, but there's also good people. Like, and I want to make sure we talk about the good people who 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 populate the last the back end of this tale. Uh, but first, we have to bring in the theme song. So I'm Phil, and I'm Willow, and it's, it's Del, Del Toro, Toro time. time. Lie back on the couch. I don't know what to talk about. You say that every time. What are you thinking about? You? What about me? Wishing you sat where I could see you. I want to look at you. When you lie down on the couch, just before you lean back, you run your hands over your hair. Why do you do that? That's my get set. Explain. Every vaudeville actor has some business, something he does in the wings just before he goes on. Why do you do that? I've always done it. I used to have a cowlick when I was a kid. My mother would always be telling me to slick it down. Is that the only reason? What difference does it make? Think about it. Did you ever know anybody who did that? Anybody else in vaudeville? No, let's talk about something else. What are you thinking about now? Pianos. Go on. Pianos, people playing pianos for other people to sing. My mother's singing. When she sang, my old man would go in the dining room and whisper all the time to one of his pals. The rest would be in the living room listening to my mother. She played the piano herself? No, Mark played. Mark Humphreys. 
He'd sit down and look up at her as if he were seeing right through her clothes. He'd run his hands once over his hair. Yes? But it's crazy! Why would I want to swipe a piece of business from that guy? After she'd run off with him, I used to lie awake nights thinking up ways to kill him. I think you admired him. I think it was the dames that admired him. He was a great big guy with a rumbling voice. The dames were crazy over him. Did this Humphreys drink? Sure, now and then. Did your father drink? Hell no, he was white ribbon. The first day you were here, I offered you a glass of brandy to help you get hold of yourself. You said you never drank it. Oh, God damn it! don't twist everything around to make it look like as if I wanted to be my old man. Or Humphreys, either. I hated them, both of them. But you wouldn't take a drink. It's Del Toro time! It's Del Toro time! So here we go. We're back after the big introduction. Uh, <laughs> clowns and laughter. It's a fun <laughs> episode of It's Del Toro time. Wah, Nightmare wah. Part two. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I love? <laughs> Dr. Ritter. She's great. Fantastic She's character. What a goof. <laughs> she, I, th I feel like if she was real, she could like wave her hand and the letters of her name would rearrange. Into <laughs> <something> like <laughs> The devil. The devil. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to look up, uh, I'm going to look up anagrams. Anagram, uh, anagram uh, solver, and I'm gonna enter Lilith Ritter, and I'm gonna see what it comes up with. Uh, how do you spell Lilith? L-I-L-I-T-H. Okay, here we go. Lilith Ritter, search. Uh, <laughs> thriller. <laughs> well, I guess yeah. Um, uh, that's basically it. Uh, and then it starts coming up with wor made up words like <laughs> Viller and Trillith <laughs> and Tillite. Um, these aren't real Thriller. words, Anagram Finder. <laughs> eh, L, Teth. Did you put in her whole name? What is her whole name? Lilith Ritter. That's what I put in. Oh. Anagram. I put in Dr. Lilith Ritter and I got thrilled. <laughs> Uh, this isn't working. This isn't I'm working. I'm going to put it in. Deli. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm putting it in. I put in the entire word doctor, by the way. Okay. Collide Third Torrid. Mm hmm Director Dido Thrill. <laughs> Director Dido Thrill? <laughs> yeah. Orchid Dirty to Troll. Okay. Chili Toddler Torrid, which is an amazing string of words. Oh, Chili Toddler Torrid. <laughs> Diced horrid real tot. <laughs> wow. So this is uh, a really this is really good use of our time. Uh, <laughs> um, I feel like she'd have a Lord Voldemort situation. Is what I'm trying to say. She's just I, that evil. Come to find out, she does not. Uh, her name is nothing. Uh, I think the Lord Voldemort situation is that her first name is Lilith. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that's the secret. I think it'd be like if Lord Voldemort's real name was like. The devil. Yeah, devil McEvil. And you'd be like, oh, I figured it out. He's probably the bad guy. Um, so, yeah, so pick it up. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do something different. 
I'm going to give a really quick overview of the second half of this book so we can just talk about it. All because right. there's a lot of nitpicky details that we can get into, but I just kind of want people to know what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what happens is Lilith is a psychologist, question mark. There's some question as to whether she's actually a psychologist mm-hmm. or not. Um, but she ends up turning the tables on Stan. She, Stan considers himself an expert of human nature and that he can manipulate people into doing what he wants. He meets his match in Dr. Lilith Ritter. She's really the expert in human nature and can totally convince him to do what she wants. Uh, Mm -hmm. One thing she convinces him of is that uh, he's attracted to his own mother, (laughs) which I think you brought up in the last episode. Yeah, I did. Um, Yeah. uh, Whether or not that's true, she sure does make him think that was his problem. I think that was part of his problem. I think it was fairly obviously part of his problem. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I think it's one of those things where an unscrupulous doctor can plant those ideas into a patient's head also and make him think he's more messed up. Like he just had, he did have a bad childhood. So mm-hmm. that, and that alone is enough to like give him all kinds of complexes. So, uh, I think some, I mean, in my opinion, Dr. Ritter is just, she's putting the screws to him right off. And, but I mean, it is open for interpretation. A lot of this is open for interpretation. Mm-hmm. But the, the the crux of it is she's psychologist to the stars. She has all these rich clients and she records every single one of their sessions. Isn't so, that illegal? Yeah, this is, it's morally questionable and legally questionable. And the idea is that she and he partner up to use all this personal information against these famous people. They're not actually fam- They're just rich people, right? They're yeah. just like socialites and stuff. And I mean, depending on your term for fa- like famous is eh, I guess they're open famous. for interpretation. <laughs> they're famous enough to uh, to make the papers, to make the social mm-hmm. like calendar and stuff. Um, meanwhile, he just sort of like Molly is now just like under his like whatever he says she has to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, he meets he meets Doctor. So he and Doctor Ritter come up with this plan. They're going to they're going to use his status as a church founder to get someone's to like con someone out of their money and the guy they're going to to to, to con is mr grindle ezra grindle who is probably Which is a great name mr yeah ezra grindle it's like yeah it's like a cartoon name um, he's he would be friends with scrooge mcduck he's also kind of yeah he is basically this book's scrooge mcduck um yeah. he's kind of the worst of the worst of rich famous men uh uh, he impregnated a woman when he was young and she went to get an abortion and died because of it. And he's always felt guilty about that. So Stan does this thing in one of his acts where he says that like he can, he knew someone who contacted the spirit of a dead person they'd wronged and the dead person forgave them. So now mm-hmm. Grindel is like, I want to contact this dead woman so she can forgive me. Uh, and thus their plan gets set in motion and it involves a lot of like hidden recordings and pulleys and Molly dressing up like a ghost. I will have to say Stan does do his research for this though. It's that thing where it's like, man, if you put as much work into just having a regular job as you did into convincing an old, uh, an old, uh, like whatever he is, an oil baron or whatever that, he is going to be contacted by the ghost of his dead mistress. Uh, you'd probably have a pretty good job by now. If he just kept being a minister, 
Right. He was doing fine. fine. But he again, was, he was doing fantastic. He had he was he he knows people. He knows how to tell people things. Like it's, it's just run your church, dude. Right. But again, of course, we know that Stan isn't after money. He is after uh, he wants people to what was he wants validation. He mm-hmm. wants to know that he's the smartest man in the room. He wants to know that people know who he is. Uh, Doctor Ritter is just after money. Like yeah. she's the worst because she is like she only cares about money, as we find out. Stan has weaknesses. He has a nightmare alley. Uh, that he is he is so afraid he has to keep running and moving in order to to not get caught and this can I say something personal yeah <laughs> you're my dad it reminds me and this is this is this is a wild thing to pull out of the air but it reminds me of a conversation I had with a friend from college once where he was like uh you know like in college Phil you were always so like upbeat and like energetic and you just never stopped moving and I was like oh no 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 it wasn't that I was like happy that I never stopped moving. It wasn't that I was full of energy. It's just I was so afraid that if I ever stopped entertaining people, that people would forget I existed. I was so afraid of not being interesting because I thought people would just forget who I was. Like I thought I had no value other than like being an mm-hmm. entertainer. That was like my like pathology back. Like I was like in a bad place back then. And I feel that way about Stan. Like he feels so worthless that he has to continue proving to the world that he's the best. Mm-hmm. Not that he does not that he's a good guy because of it and not that that's yeah. an excuse for like swindling people. But I get it. Like I get mm-hmm. that he is like he and, he and he says it in the Nightmare Alley thing. Like you're just you're running after this light at the end of the tunnel and if you ever stop, you're going to get tackled from behind and that's it. Like you have to get out of this alley. And of course, it's a Nightmare Alley, so you can't uh unless you're like one of the many people he knows who do, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, the thing about nightmares, at least from what I've experienced, because I have a lot of nightmares, is that you have to stop running at some point and let the nightmare end. Mm. <laughs> because you can't, you keep going down this endless alley that you're not getting anywhere. Right. Eventually you're going to have to stop and let the bad thing happen so that you can move on. <laughs> right. Yeah, and... Stan actually is given that opportunity at the end of the book, and then he, well, he's a little too far gone at that point to really know what he's doing, but he's given the opportunity, the chance, and he's just, you know, he's basically, he has a trick, he's triggered again, and mm-hmm. he, he spirals. Um, so they have this guy, Ezra Grindle, and they're going to set him up with his, uh, with his ex or his dead love. Dory. I'm not gonna. I don't think that they were in love. I'm gonna put that out there. Yeah, I mean, they were. Yeah, they were. They were young, and he wasn't a great guy in the first place. Um, so what they do is, and it's long. Like this goes on for a while. Is they they are slowly building him up with seance after seance and like recorded meeting after recorded meeting with this with this spirit. And uh, they eventually get it to where he gives them a ton of he's going to give them a ton of money to build like a like a city. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, is that what it is? Like, like, uh, I think this this oil baron needs to see a doctor, like a real one, not a fake one. He's got issues um, mm-hmm. and he's he's convinced or is he like that's the other thing. Is he in on it? The whole like some like. 
how deep does this trick go has been my question from the beginning. Uh, because the thing is, he is convinced that not only can he be with Dory again, but he can physically be with Dory again. Mm-hmm. And so Stan convinces Molly that you got to sleep with this guy as a ghost. And Molly's like, what the hell is wrong with you? He's like, it's the last thing you'll have to do ever. You do it once. We take the money. We run. We'll be high on the hog the rest of our lives. I just need you to do this one thing for me. This is a woman who has her own issues with sex. Mm-hmm. Like, so this is like not only a horrible thing for Stan to even propose, it's a viciously horrible thing for Stan to insist mm-hmm. upon. Um, and she shockingly agrees to do it. Like, she sort of doesn't put up much of a an argument. She kind of just like, is like, fine, fine, I'll do it. And Stan's like, oh, oh, oh okay, um, great. So they set it up and what happens? She's like, psych, husband, Cause, no. Because Ezra isn't a good guy either. Like, mm-hmm. he immediately becomes this like, gross monster. Yeah. Like, the, like, up to this point, you're like, okay, this is just an old guy who thinks he's going to sleep with a ghost, a, a, a compliant ghost, a ghost that wants to sleep with him, mm-hmm. which is weird enough. I mean, great, but yeah. whatever, whatever, whatever floats your boat, as long as it's consensual. Um, presum- consensual ghost sex. Consensual ghost sex. There is nothing wrong with that. If no, you, there's if, not. I think if, a woman got married to a ghost, actually. If that's your deal, go for it, uh, as long as everyone's on board. But... Mm-hmm. He gets violent with Molly, mm-hmm. and she uh, understandably freaks out and uh, breaks character, and then Stan has to go in and knock them both out with his fists. Why couldn't he have just knocked the old man out? I don't know. I think he knocked out Molly first because she was being loud, which is understandable. Mm-hmm. And then he knocks out the old man, but he knocks him out like, like terribly. Like this man is gonna like has has like brain problems. This man now. is gonna need to call your job. Yes, this guy has a definite brain injury after being clocked by Stan. Uh, and also, we we left out that this guy is like so rich that he has personal bodyguards and personal security, and kind of like you, you kind of get the sense like he's kind of mixed up in organized crime as well. Uh, he's a dangerous, he's a dangerous mark. If you were mixed up in organized crime, you want to know what the last thing you should do is? Having sex with a ghost? Well, that. <laughs> but also inviting a psychic into your house. <laughs> well, and his, uh, his guy, I, can't, I think his name is Anderson. Anderson? Yeah. Yeah. His guy is like, what are you doing, sir? Like, he's just like. I love Anderson. <laughs> Anderson's the only person at the in this part of the book that I, that I am fully like sympathetic with because anderson's like oh there's molly too right right yes but like as far as like this little scheme like the people mm-hmm. really on this little scheme i'm just like oh anderson i mean but it's doing that thing too where he's pushing his 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 guys all know something's wrong so he's like pushing them further and further away um but yeah uh i mean i guess if you want to have sex with a ghost you gotta you gotta know who your friends are and ghost so sex. he figures out wait what'd you say I said ghost sex. <laughs> All right. He figures out pretty quickly that he was had and goes up to his goes to his security guys and is like, this guy's Dan Carlisle, yada, yada, yada. So 
Stan goes back to Lilith and is like, we've been made. What are we going to do? And she's like, don't worry about it. I have all the money he gave us. Before before that happens, though, uh, we get a scene with Molly leaving yeah. Stan. Yes. Because she wakes up, flees, and packs all of her stuff and sends a telegram to Xena. Right. And this is where it's important to remember that Molly isn't some shrinking violet. Like, Molly grew yeah. up in kind of the world that Stan exists. She she has more experience in this world than he does. Mm -hmm. She identifies this as a situation she needs to get out of. She has her bag ready. She packs up. She knows how to, like, cut town, and she knows how to contact someone who can help her. Mm -hmm. Like, bam, 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 and she's gone. And I think that... I think that this book sort of in between them leaving the circus and this part sort of seems to like push us to forget that Mm -hmm. (laughs) because Molly's just sort of this subservient background character for a while. Right. Well, she's a woman in an abusive relationship too. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. Um, And then we get this scene and we're like, Oh, that's right. (laughs) Right. Right. She has, she can, she, she has her wits about her and she knows what she Mm -hmm. needs to do. And he even says to, uh, to Lilith, he's like, I don't worry about Molly. Like, uh, she'll be fine. She's gonna. Uh, she'll be home when I get there. And uh, if we need, to, what he at one point he says like, if we need to ditch her, I'll just give her some money, send her to Florida, and she'll be fine. You know, you get her playing the, you get her betting on the horses. She won't even know where she is after a while, mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting because I don't think of Molly as a gambler, but I'm wondering if Stan has seen something that we haven't. I seen. mean, her father was like a pathological gambler, and she yeah. was raised in that environment for a while. So right. In any case, she does cut town and she contacts Xena. And Mm -hmm. uh, so Lilith is like, here, Stan, take the money. And he gets back to his hotel and he looks and what's in the envelopes? Not much. (laughs) (laughs) She has replaced all the $100 bills with like $1 bills. Mm -hmm. And then she does the evilest thing in the book. Lilith does. Yeah. Yeah. Like this to me is... Of all the wicked things people do throughout this book, this is the creepiest and evilest to me, mm-hmm. which is he goes back to her and is like, where's the money? And she's like, what money? She gaslights him. She literally gaslights him. Like if you're if you ever need to to if you're ever on the Internet and someone is using the word gaslight incorrectly, what you got to do is you got to be like, all right, read this chapter of Nightmare Alley and then you'll understand what gaslight means. Because what does she do? She's basically like, what are you talking about? Nothing ever happened. You did all of this because you wanted to kill your father. Yeah. Yes. She's like, you're just a patient of mine. This is all a fantasy you've been concocting. What's going Mm -hmm. on? I think you're nuts. I think we need to have you committed. And she gets right on the horn and she calls security to come drag Stan away, which he ain't having. No. Why? Yeah, no. Yeah. He like, he, he cuts, he like jumps out a window and leaves. And then she has the other, the victim of their crime come mm-hmm. in for yep. a session. Yeah. She calls him. She's like, this is Dr. Ritter. Let's have a, let's have a, a tete-a-tete. And now we get Stan's happy decline. <laughs> He goes, he's convinced because she knows that he accidentally killed, uh, what's his face in the beginning? Pete. He killed Pete. He's admitted it. He's talked to her about his guilt over it. And he knows that uh, Ezra Grindle is now after him. He's convinced that Grindle's security is after him, that the feds are after him. The only way he knows how to make money is by reading palms and doing tarot readings. So he's bouncing from place to place in disguise trying to make money doing this and every time he looks over his shoulder he thinks he sees 
the security people after him. You, uh, you know, you really don't want to mess with a guy in organized crime. It's you just don't. <laughs> or an oil baron because they're all involved in organized crime. Please don't murder me. Yeah. They're all. They are all. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Don't be a don't be a con artist. Just don't do it. Be a con artist, but not with organized crime. <laughs> right. But in order to be a con artist but not an organized crime, you kind of have to be an oil tycoon or Well, I mean, what you got to do is you got to be on the side of organized crime. Yeah. To be a con artist. Don't don't try and con organized crime. That's a bad idea. And there is one scene where he's doing a reading and then he looks up and he sees like two guys in hats talking to uh, like talking to the person at the front of the restaurant. And he's like, they're after me. And he escapes out the back. But then it, at, the very, at the very at the very end of the chapter. Behind. Yes, he leaves his hat behind. And at the very end of the chapter, though, you cut to the two guys and they're just like just guys. They're just there like at yeah. the restaurant, which makes you wonder if anyone's even after him at all. I don't think anyone I don't is. think so. Because yeah. if someone... I mean, that's got... What happened has got to be embarrassing to Mr. Oil Tycoon Guy. Right. Right. Like, if you want... If you... The the best crime advice I can give you is if you want to get away with committing a crime, you got to do something that embarrasses the victim of the crime. Oh, my goodness. I mean, yes, that's true. There's a lot of things that fall under that umbrella. <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't do it. Don't please don't do it. But <laughs> that's how you get away with a crime. Lord, please don't do it. Um, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm just I'm being honest here. So yeah, so Stan uh, is on the lamb, and each time we cut back to him, each chapter he's gone further and further and further down. He's spiraling mm-hmm. further and further. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of talk that we skipped over between him and Lilith about how he doesn't drink. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, because you want to be like your dad. And he's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yes. He, uh, his, yeah, he doesn't want to be, a, he doesn't want to be an alcoholic. He also like knows. the man who his mother left with. Right. And he also slicks back his hair, just like his dad. <laughs> um, he slicked back his hair like the man. Right. He slicks back his hair like the man and he doesn't drink. Like his dad. Like his dad. Um, he doesn't drink like his dad doesn't drink. Yeah. Which is not at all. He not at all drinks, is what no I'm drinking. to say. No Until drinking. Until now. Now he's drinking. Yeah, what pushes him over the edge? I don't know. Probably his excessive paranoia that Oh, I thought happening. there was like an incident, a specific incident that pushed I him over the edge. Remember. But I can't remember. I sort remember. of breezed through this part of the book because I was getting upset. Yeah, but uh, he... Oh, by the way, just to, just so I don't forget to mention it, uh, Ezra Grindle's uh, uh, nickname was... <laughs> was sp- Skunk? S- spunk. Spunk. It was, it was Spunk. Which is a dumb nickname. Which is a gross nickname. This gross. Um, this whole guy is gross. There's also He's a uh, there's also a weird little like paragraph in here about sperm, which I found hilarious and very well written. But also like it's like the little swimmers swim to the egg, and I was oh, I don't know. I I really thought you were gonna talk about the weird little paragraph about mosquito man. That's just in there for no reason. <laughs> Mosquito Man shows up at one point and terrifies woman because he has been used in one of the seances as a little child spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, he leaves little footprints in some flower and nobody knows where the footprints came from. It must have been a ghost. But then you, like, Mosquito Man gets back on a train and a woman's like, hello, little boy. And he looks at her and is like, Wah. and then she's like, my heart. I like Mosquito Man. He's a bad person, but he's He's the worst person. Hey, I don't think... I think that goes to Mr. Grindelwald. What the hell is his name? 
Ezra Grindelwald. Why does he sound like an evil wizard? Oh my god, what if he is Grindelwald? <laughs> it's the right time period. Are these the crimes of Grindelwald? He, he, I, mean, I mean, yeah, probably not. Uh, it is the right we time got, period, though. We got Lilith. We got Grindel. These are wizards in hiding. These are all wizards. Not to They're bring, all wizards. Not to bring the wizard. They're not wizards from the wizarding world of Harry Potter, though. They're wizards from the secrets of Druth. <laughs> I don't remember the secrets of Drew getting this dark. Uh, this is wasn't it like a shadow prince or something that like wanted to destroy the world? You're going remember. to have to spend five hundred dollars on all the secrets of Drew novels so I can find out. Yeah. <laughs> so Stan is he's spiraling. Uh, he goes. He at one point has to abandon his cards. He loses his cards when he's running. And so he's doing palm readings. Uh, he he does, also murders several people, doesn't he? He one person. He he's he does some palm readings on some on some hobos sitting around their fire, uh, who try to convince him to give them his booze. And all this at this point now, he is just trying to get money for alcohol. And mm-hmm. then he gets attacked by a crooked cop who chases him down a nightmare alley. Mm-hmm. and stan has a super freak out uh he starts bugging out and hallucinating he gets like massive flashbacks and uh the cop the cop tries to kill him mm-hmm. like the cop has chased him down this alley in order to kill him to beat him to death why because Did we ever find out why they do mention that the cop has killed like a number of of transients uh why? so he, he because Cause he's he sucks because he sucks because he's a horrible guy and stan turns i feel to- no badness towards stan murdering this man yeah no the the guy was the worst and stan murders him and stan also basically kills him in Mm self-defense uh but now he knows that he is screwed and he starts like super running he meets a very nice guy riding the rails who does not have a nightmare alley as stan discovers it's a Mm -hmm. it's a black guy who's heading up north to get work and stan tries to do a read on him and the guy just keeps laughing at him. And he's like, I know what you're doing. Like, you're not. And Stan's like, oh, I see this. He's like, you have a scar on your left knee. And he's like, dude, I have scars on all my knees. I am covered in scars. All of my knees. All, all of, of them. My knees. Dude, I have several. If you're a real psychic, you would have known how many knees I had. And it's not two. <laughs> Corresponds roughly with the number of legs I have. Also, also not, two. not two. Not one either, and not none. I have more legs. I bought two <laughs> legs off a guy named Joe Plasky a few decades ago. He has a major plot twist. There's a guy out there buying legs off people. Stealing legs. <laughs> bought him off a guy named Mr. Mosquito Man. <laughs> Gave him, swapped him out for a pair of really tiny legs. I I wish that's how this book had gone. It's not how uh, he meets this guy who's a who's a professional rail rider and who actually helps him out, saves his life. Because Stan, mm-hmm. when he's running from killing the cop, he jumps, tries to jump a train and almost gets pulled under, and the guy saves his life. And Stan's like, this guy doesn't have a nightmare alley. Like this guy, this guy doesn't live in fear of anything. And it's mm-hmm. not that he doesn't have to have fears. It's just the guy is black and has been has lived a far harder life than Stan has mm-hmm. and now has like a philosophy where he's just like, I know what I'm doing and I know what I need to do. And I don't have regrets in life. Cause I'm just trying to just trying to get from point A to point B, my friend. And I'm like, 
you go you, good for I, you yeah i hope i hope you find what you're looking for my friend uh stan does not find what he's looking for though uh technically he does i mean i guess he does he uh he finds xena mm-hmm. um surprisingly enough who is and he's now- like oh god she's gonna beat me to death she's gonna be how does he find xena i'd have no idea she like- finds him or something he's like yeah. injured and like he Zena's like, oh, look at this poor transient. And then she's like, Stan. Right. Yeah. He is, he is, yeah, he's a shell of a man. He hasn't eaten. He's rail thin. He's, he has the shape. It was a railroad pun right there. He is rail thin. Thin as a railroad. And it was almost like he didn't escape from being squashed flat by that train. Nope. He is a flat Stanley, literally. Flat Stanton. <laughs> uh, so Zena finds him and uh, takes him back to her house. Mm-hmm. Who she is sharing with? Joe. Joe, who she's married to. Yeah. Uh, Joe Plasky. They have a little is farm. He, he was the uh, the the contortionist guy, right? Uh, well, he's the guy. Yeah, he has his his legs are are very yeah. small, and so he he just uses his arms to to mm-hmm. to walk around. And they are they see they they are doing very well for themselves. Yeah, we get to learn that Molly's doing really well for herself. Mm-hmm. She's remarried, has a kid. Yep. Yeah, because a lot of time has passed. Like, yes. Uh, and Xena and Joe are seem to be happy. They are in contact with carnival people, but they're just sort of mm-hmm. doing their own thing. Um, they're doing. They're still doing stuff like with like fortune telling and stuff, mm-hmm. because they're 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 getting in like a shipment of like the the like astrology books. But mm-hmm. they seem pretty chill. Yeah, I mean yeah. they they were always kind of chill. Yeah. I don't think there was ever a moment where Zena was not chill, except for maybe when her first husband was, like, dead. Right. Um, but this is the point where we're kind of shown that, and we were kind of shown this in the in the last half, too, but, like, Joe fully expects them to, like, basically kill him for being as horrible as he was. I mean, Stan, sorry. Stan mm-hmm. expects them to just be like, you're the worst, get out. But carnies take care of their own. Mm-hmm and but xena doesn't just let him get by like she does like say like you're the worst like what you did was the worst and ruined molly for a while like Mm -hmm. she was real effed up Mm -hmm. like she told me about what you did you pimped her out like (laughs) right you you, you're the worst (laughs) and even though this does not make stanton an okay guy at all in my eyes he does say yeah you're right i was the like I lost, I lost sight of who I was. I lost sight of everything. Like he, he at least has the, at least has the wherewithal to admit he was, he was the one in the wrong. He doesn't try to mm-hmm. excuse himself. Um, which, if nothing else, is something mm-hmm. for him. Uh, we know that he's not evil. Yeah, I, I don't think I ever thought he was evil. Hmm. Um. Well, maybe the part with the ghost. Sex, he does but... evil things. <laughs> yeah uh i think i think the beginning of this book i really think that they should have i mean i know why they didn't but i think that the beginning of this book should have been a bit we should have focused more on like the carnival a bit i think (laughs) instead of just suddenly being out of the carnival that was a bit jarring um because i think that it did a really good job of showing people just trying to survive Mm -hmm. like xena's still scamming people like (laughs) she's still a con artist (laughs) right but, like, we get more of a I'm just trying to survive by vibe from her than we do from Stan. Yeah. Even though they're kind of doing the same thing. It, what's interesting is, and we'll, we'll, we'll see this as, as we get to the very end here, which is 
Stan at the carnival was convinced that the world was full of rubes. Mm-hmm. And as long as you knew how to read people, you could always take a, you could, you would always be on top and mm-hmm. the rubes would always be your suckers. And it takes all of this to teach Stan that we're all rubes. Like mm-hmm. we're all just waiting to be taken in by someone else. Like, the only person who can't be taken in is a person who has either come to terms with the fact that, you know, like a person who lives without fear anymore or a person who is a complete sociopath like Lilith yeah. Ritter. Uh, I think that Lilith and his friend on the train are two very good sides of a, the same coin. Right. They're like so polar opposite that they kind of come around and meet again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Like it's, you, you meet two people in this book who cannot be duped and it's someone who is completely at peace with themselves and someone who is a sociopath. Yeah. I wouldn't even say he was completely at peace with himself. He was just like, there's a lot of bad things that happen in this world and you got to keep going. Yeah. You just got to keep going. Like I, uh, yeah. You got to stop walking down the nightmare alley. Which is the essence of noir. Mm-hmm. Um, the essence of noir is that you can't escape fate, but you can make your life better in spite of being trapped by fate. Mm-hmm. Uh, no matter how futile life is, you've got to move forward. Existence is futile, but you've got to keep moving. Uh, life isn't like your happiness, your your future isn't determined by how well you've succeeded. It's determined by how much you keep moving forward is like mm-hmm. the essence of noir. Uh, apart from all the hard-boiled detectives, all the crime, all the all the dames, noir is about existential I really think angst. A lot of noir mm, skips the part with the you got to keep moving. <laughs> a lot of noir, what people consider noir is the trappings of noir, like the, mm-hmm. the tropes of noir or the look of noir. People think of like, how it appears but there's a reason that all the noir filmmakers and writers in the 1950s were brought up against the house and american activities committee because a lot of them were communists who thought and a lot of them were lay pro-labor people who were like the world sucks and it's totally against everyone and you've got to like drop out and rebuild society my friends um yeah. i just uh, i think that um like there's not a lot of nuance in modern literature anymore it's all either everything's terrible or nothing is terrible (laughs) most of it is everything's terrible um there's not a lot of i i don't think of this story as having a happy ending but i think that stan might have been our guide through the story but i don't think it was really just his story Mm -hmm. i think that um having a glimpse into the lives of the people around him and seeing that they were happy i think that sort of creates the sensation of a happy ending um, right it's like we we're following the wrong guy yeah 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 um but it still has this thing of like at the end of the story when you see xena and you seem you hear about molly you're like oh right like people do matter like mm-hmm. happiness matters like decency matters and that's enough for these people like xena is happy because she's a decent person and i think, I think we a lot of people have seemingly forgotten that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of stuff on the internet right now about how you don't owe anyone anything, mm-hmm. um, which is fair because you don't. But there's so much, like, there's so many people being like, oh, you did the right thing, or 
what you your actions are fine because you don't know anyone anything i'm like you're right you don't know anyone anything but what's the point of even being alive if you're not if you don't if you don't want to be a good person (laughs) right if you don't want to do things for other people and this book never comes right out and says anything like that Mm -hmm. uh but and it also doesn't it doesn't feel moralistic like it doesn't feel like he's trying to make some sort of like point about well stan was a bad guy so watch what happens to it doesn't feel like that because because it feels so inevitable like this mm-hmm. the, the the nature of the novel is cyclical like what goes around comes like you start off so okay well end of the like we're like five pages from the end of the novel uh what happens at the end of the novel xena and joe help stan clean up mm-hmm. they help him detox uh they get food in him and she's like, look, a friend of mine left these behind. It's these like giant posters advertising uh, like a, basically a Middle Eastern fortune teller. She's like, you put up, a, you do a fake Swami act. You start reading palms again. You'll get back on your feet. Like you can do this, Stan. I know you can do this. You're really good mm-hmm. at this. And he's like, you're right. You're right. And she and Joe give him a little cash. They take him to the train station. They're like, go to Mexico and start there because you've still got the heat on you. And he's like, you're right. I'll go to Mexico. I'll start reading palms. I'll do some tarot cards. I'll get my name in there again. And I can I can do this. I am capable of doing this. And she's like, mm-hmm. just don't drink again or stick to beer. Which is funny because that's one of the one of the last things Lilith said to him as well. Yeah. Yes. It was it's it's a there's a weird again, another parallel between Lilith and sort of her polar opposite in Xena. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because uh, they're both I think Lilith was just, was Lilith older than Stan? You get the impression that she was, yes. Yeah, they're both these older women that Stan sort of, it's another thing with the whole loving his mother thing. Oh, <laughs> a little Oedipal uh, stuff going on again? Uh, <laughs> these two sort of women who are the same and yet completely different. Yes. In fact, if I were doing a play of this, I would stage it so they were played by the same actor. Like to me, yeah. like that's like... It's mm-hmm. so obvious because mm-hmm. uh, because yes, they are they are two sides two sides of the same coin. Both mm-hmm. very smart women who know how to take care of themselves, who get involved who with who know Stan, how to read people, who know how to read people very well. One does it for evil. One does it for less evil. One does it for survival. <laughs> one does it for survival. And uh, as as I think it was uh, the commentary track on the movie when I watched it years ago was basically pointed out that like when you go to the carnival, you go to the carnival to get tricked. Yeah. Like there's a contract you make with the audience. Like, yeah, it's kind of weird that you're saying like I can read your mind and I can talk to your dead ones. But on a certain level, when you go to a a, a palm reader, you know that there's a trick to it. You know you're I being... Don't think, I don't think Xena ever said I can talk to your dead loved ones. Right, right. But even I don't then, think Xena ever did that. <laughs> but even if you go to even if you go to like a, a, even a person holding a seance, it's like mm-hmm. there's a little flim flammery, you know, in your heart. You go to a psychologist, though. Mm-hmm. you don't expect to get tricked like that's a different contract and to to, to some people that's where the lilith xena mm-hmm. difference is like yeah one person is working out of a carnival which is all for fun and games one person is supposed to be like a health professional and she is on the wrong side of the law stan is at the, at the train station he's all ready to move on with his life orders himself up a beer i'm gonna do this oh what's this it's the newspapers Got to pick up a paper. Maybe the funnies are in there. Little Gasoline Alley, little Snuffy Smith. Go flipping through it. Maybe there's an ad for some used pants. I don't know. (laughs) 
flip through the social uh, social pages. Oh, what's this? This looks like there's a wedding announcement. Who's getting married? Why would you look at that? I don't understand what the point <laughs> of that would be. I think he sees the name. I think it catches <laughs> his eye. It's uh, Dr. Ritter. Lilith Ritter is getting married. And to whom? And some guy. Is it is, is it? It's G-Man? Spunk. She's getting married to Spunk. It seems like a bad, bad idea. She's marrying Spunk. She's marrying Ezra Grindle. It's funny because he's like, he goes complaining to her, I got scammed. And then he marries the woman who has all the scam money. So he just gets his money back. He gets his money back. I mean, unless she's like so bought. And that's another thing I love about, you know, Lilith is evil because she's not after this for like power. She's after it for jewels. Like she has like bags of jewels. She's like, jewels, jewels, like diamonds, rubies. Like it's literally like she's like a dragon in a cave. Um, So she gets, yeah, well, she is like, this guy is like the richest guy in town. And he's a chump, and he just wants to get laid. Like, I can do all that. Because, like, she, like, slept with Stan a lot. Like, and she was good at it. And she, and she like, knew how to push his buttons. Like, and she got him down, like, as a, she was a puppy dog with her. She was like, uh-uh-uh, no touching. And he's like, I'll do whatever you say. Um, Dumb. Hashtag relatable. <laughs> Dumb. <laughs> hashtag uh, dumb and stupid. Uh, so yeah, so hashtag do- simp. Hashtag yeah, Stan is the ultimate simp. Uh, so yeah, Doctor Ritter marries uh, Spunk, and they all they go they move into his his palatial palace, and Anderson's back as his as his trusty security guy, and Stan's like, I need a drink, and he drinks. and then it all goes down from there. It all goes downhill from there. He ends up this is where he ends up just a, a to- this is where he ends up a total wreck, and uh, and he tries to. He goes to a carnival and is like, I can be your, I can be a, a magical swami. I can read your palm. I can read tarot cards, except he doesn't say it like that. He says it like an incomprehensible alcoholic. Mm. Like he is slurring his words. He's falling over himself. And the guy who's the head is like, get out of here, you drunk. And then he's like, oh, wait, 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 wait a minute. Maybe I can do something for you. And Stan's like, oh, like, what, what do you, what do you need? And the guy says, uh, Wait, I have it right here. The guy says, I just happened to think of something. I got one job you might take a crack at. It ain't much, and I ain't begging you to take it, but it's a job. Keep you in coffee and cakes and a shot now and then. What do you say? Of course, it's only temporary, just until we get a real geek. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of the book. And I like to think that Stan, hearing this, gets shaken out of his stupor and is like, I remember this from a few years ago, several years ago. Wait, Wait a, minute. a minute. See you later. <laughs> And then he goes to Mexico and he does his thing. Oh boy. Good thing I. (laughs) Sir, you almost had me. Oh boy. (laughs) Pours out the booze. Like, I am on my way. That that was the kick in the pants I needed, my friend. (laughs) Until Nightmare Alley 2 stands redemption. See you later. (laughs) See you later. Um,. That's how right. I imagine the story ends. You're right. Like, you're left to believe Stan becomes the geek, but we don't know it. Mm-hmm. We can make up our own endings. <laughs> we can, we can, we can, maybe uh, someone suddenly was like, fire, and Stan's like, fire, and he goes and saves a bunch of babies, and he gets yeah. all the money and the applause, and they're like, are you Stan the Great? And he's like, I sure am. They're like, no, you're not only a great psychic, but you're a baby saver. <laughs> maybe that's what happens. Maybe, maybe Stan hearing the geek thing sobers up and he's like excuse me sir (laughs) your 12 dead children are very insulted and he 
pulls a fast one on the carnival man he's like, and becomes I... the new head of the carnival and he's like wait a minute what wait i'm getting something did you used to have a dog <laughs> yes we never by the way have ever said the name of stan's dog because it is a slur um yeah uh it's nope not that slur the other one nope not that it's not one. it's not the hp lovecraft slur it's not that slur it's another slur uh, yeah so yeah he's like we'll get it we'll get ourselves a geek and the in the novel you close the book and you're like that was refreshing i feel great <laughs> um and people, uh, yeah this is a book people read for school i hope like, so. what the hell <laughs> because this is a book you can talk about a lot Mm-hmm. This is a book that you can just, I mean, you can just chat about this. The fact, just the the, the chapter headings. Oh yeah, and the uh, the last chapter is the hanged man. Yeah, which we, is funny because uh, in the chapter previous, the last line of that chapter is he was never meant to end up a hanged man. Yeah, uh, sacrifice, release, martyrdom, or reverse, needless sacrifice. Um, Stan didn't have to end up this way. Yeah, it's all bad. It's all bad. He ends up. He ends up just just in the. Um, I'm going to go with my headcanon that he gets sobered up and goes to Mexico, good. and that he skips out on the blackface. We have a really turban. we have an interesting scene where he's in a bar and a woman's singing and she rubs her belly against the microphone. <laughs> and for some reason, that moment stuck with me. <laughs> this is not Dungeons and Dragons. You can't bard your way through life. You can in this book. Um, uh, yeah, the chapter before this was strength, and that's where he like kind of comes. He kind of gets himself together again, but it all falls apart. This yeah, there's kind he, of feels like a choose your own adventure novel, in a way, in a way. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> like, all the choices reading, are bad. But you're reading it after someone made all of the bad choices. Oh, I see. This is all the bad endings. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is all the bad endings. I would love for someone to write this, rewrite this book from Molly's point of view. It would oh. be this sucks. What is happening? This Lord, sucks. Lord, Lord, Um I just wanted to have a kid. Why is this happening? <laughs> right. He said he was going to marry me. I feel taken advantage of. Um, the book was popular enough. It was read by an actor named Tyrone Power, who was like, I want to make this into a movie. And he did. And we'll be talking about that next time. Uh, mm-hmm. It was also adapted into a graphic novel by Spain Rodriguez. Which Mitzi will not be reading. Mitzi will not be reading that graphic novel. It's by Spain Rodriguez. Uh, it is, uh, if you've ever seen any of his stuff, the, just the visuals of the, of the, of the graphic mm-hmm. novel are nightmare inducing as they are. Um, no, very well make done. a good graphic novel. But very well done. But it's a, it's a, it's a, 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 a vicious graphic novel. It was also adapted into a, uh, a Broadway mus- musical. Not a Broadway musical. <laughs> no. In fact, the opposite of a Broadway musical, um, a regional musical uh done at the geffen playhouse in 2010 that uh the music to which is available online at the uh, at the composer's um website if you if you just dig it out just search nightmare alley musical geffen playhouse and you'll find links uh, i'm not going to link to it but uh i just wanted to bring it up because to me it was an example of how not to adapt nightmare alley uh the opening number is called nightmare alley and it has the owner of the carnival singing Come see my show. It's full of creepy people. And welcome to Nightmare Alley. And I'm like, nope, I don't think that's the name of the carnival. Canceled. Nightmare Alley. It's just, it was. Canceled. It's it's not, it's not. Most musicals are bad. And, uh, and this is, I I don't even know. I don't even know if this musical is bad, but just the music 
didn't do it for me. Uh, uh, Stephen Sondheim died yesterday. Yeah, I know. And uh, did I cry? Ask yeah. me. Yeah, you did. I cried a lot. I didn't um, have to ask you that. I know you. You cried. I was a wreck yesterday uh, after getting them. But it also reminded me that not everyone can be Sondheim. So a little, a little leeway is granted there. Not everyone can be Sondheim. But, you know, if you're adapting a book, you should probably read it. He did read it. There's a great interview with the writer. I don't want to slam the writer of the musical Nightmare Alley. Uh, to, but to me, it's such a delicate balance on how you make mm-hmm. a story like this work. that uh, I just don't think it's meant for the stage. I disagree. I think this could be a good musical. I don't think so. I think it could be a good musical. They said I the think... same thing about Sweeney Todd. You know what? That's fair. If it was a musical like Sweeney Todd, maybe. I think it has to be a musical like Sweeney Todd. Just one that like really – because Sweeney Todd's similar. I mean, he's not a good guy. Yeah. I just – I think that you can't have the musical start with a funky circus You can't. It tune. can't be a funky circus. <laughs> <laughs> but you do have to have a Sweeney Todd-esque approach, I think, of just like – Yeah. You're about to watch something that's really horrible. Mm-hmm. And things don't turn out well for anyone in the end. Yeah. Uh, uh, so here we go. <laughs> oh, and also the lead character is going to scream at you. And if you're a child in the audience, you're going to jump out of your seat and land in your father's lap. And you're not going like to show up. Like what you after... did to that one child. You're not going to show up after intermittent. When I was Sweeney Todd, I, I... someone, there's a child in the front row. And during the Epiphany song, I screaming at the audience and swinging my razor around. And she got scared and she left it intermission. Why are you taking your child to see Sweeney Todd? Because she's friends with the people who did the show. And mm. They thought well, it's culture, and you went to go see it. You were only a child. I was in middle school. You were in middle school, and you brought a friend. Also, I grew up with you. That's true. You weren't afraid of me swinging my razor around. No, uh, I thought it was hilarious. It was. It was fun. Because I know you're actually a real dork. My last major role on stage was that. Was that? And you know, if you're gonna go out on a bang, go out with Sweeney Todd. In any you case, planning on not, not doing any music clients anymore. I have not done any stage since Carousel, and I don't see any in my future. Unless someone wants to cast me as the baker in Into the Woods. That's the one role I've never played that I will always love to play. Uh, Because when I saw it when I was a child, I thought, that guy gets me. (laughs) (laughs) I saw the baker, and I was like, that guy gets me. The guy who wrote this musical understands me because I know the baker is me. A neurotic who worries about everything and doesn't know how he can possibly take care of himself <laughs> doesn't know anything about raising kids me hey i think you did okay eh, we'll see uh it's my nightmare I am alley insulted. <laughs> i was thinking about your sister <laughs> she's the one who's been running me ragged that's my nightmare alley is me trying to get to the end of nightmare alley and it's mitzi's hands just dragging <laughs> I, I was kid. an easy child, but only because I was also very worried about everything. You're too much like me. <laughs> yeah. It's like that it's like that Ben Folds song. Which one? Still fighting. All of them? It. Oh yeah. I still listen to that song sometimes. He apologizes to his child for being so much like him. That's how I feel sometimes. I'm so sorry you have my genes. In but any case, fine. Nightmare Alley. Thumbs up, thumbs down. It was a good book. Uh I you know, when we started this episode, I was in a really bad mood. Mm, so was I. And now, you know, I don't mind the book. <laughs> I wish I had read a book like this in school. I wish that I had been assigned a book like this because I find it, it's its a difficult book and it's pulp. Mm-hmm. Like it's its pulpy. It's not high, like, but 
I read it and I again, like I read it before when I watched the other movie and I was like, oh, trashy book. Thumbs up. And now I'm like, this book is smarter than I thought it was. Thumbs upper, like higher up, right up the alley. Yeah. I think that uh, I'm glad I didn't read this book in school because uh, that would have been god awful because no matter what anyone said, everyone would just agree with the first person who said anything. So there's no room for interpretation on anything. Uh, I had a really bad experience with Frankenstein reading that in school. So yeah, but I <laughs> everyone just was like not open to any other view except for their own. I'm afraid that if you had read this in school, you would have joined the carnival and left forever. I have no skills. You would have been like, this is the life I want to lead. I have no skills. A carnival would be like, ha, 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 get out of here. They would have found you a skill. They would have figured it out. My skill is lying. I'm you really would have been the that. electric lady. I'm Well, I guess. That sounds boring, though. But you don't have to do much. You got to sit there in like a skimpy outfit and just be electrocuted. I would refuse. That's not my style. I'm a good liar. You're in like a a high neck flower print dress. (laughs) Yeah. Watch as we electrocute her. (laughs) Like, all right, I guess. Uh, We are a bunch of farmers and yokels. I I, I prefer the lying aspect of the carnival. A professional liar. You could have tied. That's what I call myself. You could have just tied your legs up and sold horoscope books or whatever. Or I could could have just. I could have been the person announcing everything because I'm really good at lying. So I could have been like, look at this over here. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Uh, yeah, no, you would have been good as a sideshow attraction. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that is Nightmare Alley. Now, as I mentioned, Tyrone Power got his hands on it, wanted to make a movie of it. We will see what happens with that in our next episode where we're looking at 1947's Nightmare Alley. And then, of course... Time for uh, time for Del Toro time. It's time for actual Del Toro time. I'm actually really excited to go back to the 1940s. We watched a lot of good movies from there. Uh, when I recorded the other episode on this, I said uh, Del Toro had announced that he was doing Nightmare Alley, and I was like, "We'll see. Like, we'll see if this actually happens. He has a history, so it's interesting that he actually is. Uh, it's interesting too that Leonardo DiCaprio is attached to this movie, and then he was not. So, uh, but before we get there, we'll get to Tyrone Power. We'll get to all the hijinks and wonderment of the original Nightmare Alley. Uh, and we'll see if I still love it as much as I did. I am sitting. Uh, I am sitting. I looked up Tyrone Power. Mm-hmm. And there's a picture that makes him look a lot like Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> He's a handsome man. Uh, I have my Blu-ray right here, Nightmare Alley. The hanged man on the front. Are we, are we going to get to watch it together together? Who knows? Uh, we'll figure that out. But uh, okay. it does have an uncompressed monaural soundtrack. You know what? I don't need to read this right now. Uh, <laughs> Nightmare Alley. So uh, join us then. Thank you for listening. We are uh, on Twitter at Del Toro Time. Uh, listen to me and Willow talk about the Berenstain Bears on Deep in Bear Country. We've got a few episodes under our we belt. We have to talk about witches. And more are coming out. Yeah. Uh, and listen to me talk about Babysitter's Club at Pizza Toast Pod. So uh, You're with a, someone else on that podcast. Christy Admiral, who is a delight as well. So mm-hmm. uh, we're finishing up the Netflix series. Uh, otherwise, uh, join us next time, next episode, for uh, Nightmare Alley. More Nightmare Alley. Uh, I am Phil. I am Willow. And we'll see you when it's Del Toro time. time. Hey, we cooked out of it. <laughs>